The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, August 2nd, 2020 by Vicar Sam Schultz on the basis of Matthew 14, verses 13 through 21. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. You know the feeling. You know the feeling of looking forward to that long weekend with the family that you had to work overtime for week after week after week. And the day before that long weekend begins, you're in the office and the boss comes in and says, hey, uh, we're going to need you to work this weekend. Sorry. You know the feeling of after a long day wrestling every kid into bed and then finally thinking to yourself that you're going to be able to watch Netflix tonight in peace. And as soon as you turn the TV on, you hear the baby monitor go off, or you hear doors open, you hear little feet come out, and you know it's not going to happen tonight. You know that feeling of desperately needing time to rest, time to yourself, time to replenish all the emotion and energy that you have spent on everyone else. And as soon as you have that time in your hand, it slips right through your fingers because something or someone more important demands your attention. In this account, we see that when Jesus is faced with a similar, temp- or similar situation, he does not feel what we would have felt And he does not do what we would have done. We see that when Jesus is faced with a crowd filled with desperate, hungry people, Jesus feeds the hungry. And we're going to see his compassion and why we can trust his power. Verse 13, when Jesus heard this, well, what did he hear? Jesus heard about the unjust execution of his friend, his cousin, his prophet, John the Baptist. So maybe you can imagine the the grief that's weighing on Jesus' heart right now. We'll add to that the urgency of knowing that he's probably Herod's next target. Add to that the crowds all the time, following him, begging him, constantly, not necessarily interested in what he can teach them, but what they can get from him. Add to that the Pharisees, always watching him, always plotting against him, always seeing what's his next step going to be. All Jesus wants is some rest. Time to get away, time to just be with his disciples. And as he is on the boat to find that time, he sees them. Waiting for him on the shore are 5,000 men, not including women and children, so probably like three times that, 15,000 people, a giant crowd waiting for him on the shore. They followed him. They followed him to the one place that Jesus purposely went so that he wouldn't be followed. How would you react? Anger? Frustration? Disappointment? Can you see the faces on the disciples when they see all those people? But Jesus sees this crowd, and he sees fathers with their sick, dying children in their arms. He sees moms 
with their children possessed by demons. He sees people leading their blind friends by the hand and carrying their crippled friends on their backs, hoping that maybe Jesus would see them and want to help. And Jesus sees this crowd, and his heart doesn't just break, it bursts open with compassion. And the kind of compassion that doesn't just say, oh, well, that's too bad. The kind of compassion that would make him get out of that boat and help every single person to heal every sickness, to cast out every demon. And there were so many people there that day that it took him all day long. And so at the end of an exhausting day of healing, the disciples start to figure out that they are in the middle of nowhere. And there's no food around. There's certainly nowhere to buy food, and these people definitely didn't bring any. And so the disciples, probably eager to get away from all these people, very reasonably suggest to Jesus that, let him go. Let him go buy some food. Jesus' response? No. No, they don't need to leave. You feed them. If this was a test, the disciples failed. You see, Jesus could have just snapped his fingers and had food appear right in front of the, every single person, and they could have all eaten and everything would be great. But Jesus wanted to work through his disciples. He wanted to bless these people through his disciples, and the disciples just didn't get it. They couldn't see past the five loaves and two fish. They knew Jesus was powerful. They knew Jesus loved these people, but that many people? But this little food, there's no way. It's impossible. And it's easy for us to look at the disciples and say, really? Really? He's Jesus. Come on, have a little faith. But then we see the crowds. We see a world filled with people that are hungry, people that are marginalized and oppressed, that need people to speak out for them, people that need friends, people that need the gospel in their lives. But at the same time, we see our employers start to to downsize. We see our schools tell our kids that they have to stay home, and we know that our jobs might not allow this. Even if we even have jobs within the next week, who knows? We see a world filled with chaos, filled with uncertainty. We have no idea what life is going to be like next week. And among all the things that are happening around us, it is so hard to do what the disciples should have done, to look at Jesus and say, all right, I trust you. Why? Because in order to say that and to truly mean it, I have to admit some things. I have to admit that I don't know everything. I have to admit that I am what I am and have what I have, not because of my superior work ethic or all of my talents, but because someone far greater than me has blessed me tremendously. That I and not in control, even of the things that are most important to me, my life, my well-being, my health, and the lives of all those around me, I am not in control. And if you have a heart that's anything like mine, 
you probably find that excruciatingly difficult. Why? Because the default mode of the sinful heart is obsession with self. To convince myself that uh, I can only be happy if I'm in control. I don't want to trust God. I don't want to admit that I need Him. I want to be in control. I want to use the things that I have, my wealth, my appearance, my accomplishments, my kids' accomplishments, my relationship, my social standings, all extensions of my control, and I want to use those things to put myself ahead of people. I want to be my own God. I want to be in control. But if this is what we choose, and if this is how we are, then we willingly forfeit the only thing that can truly fill our hearts. We willingly choose to empty ourselves of the only thing that can truly satisfy us, which is God's love, God's acceptance, God's presence. And we leave ourselves cursed with an emptiness, a hungriness that we can't fill. But what does Jesus do? Jesus' response to that crowd 2,000 years ago is the same response to this crowd filled with hungry, selfish, neurotic people. Jesus feeds the hungry. His heart goes out to us in compassion and he uses his power to give us what we need. Verse 19. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves and he kept breaking and kept breaking and kept breaking and kept breaking until every single one of those people was completely full and there were so many leftovers that they needed 12 baskets to take them all because when Jesus gives, he doesn't just give, he pours out. He has the heart that is so big that it includes all of our needs and he has the power to completely overwhelm those needs. Compassion and power. Yet, the feeding of the 5,000 is only one display of Jesus' compassion and power. You see, while he was feeding all of those people, Jesus knew that the real problem with humanity, the real emptiness that we're all cursed with, can't be filled with bread. You know, Jesus saw the world, a crowd filled with people that had rejected him, and his heart overflowed with compassion. So he came down to be one of us and to be exactly what we were supposed to be. He trusted his Father even as he was hungry and sick and homeless and exhausted and in danger of losing his life. His heart overflowed with compassion. As he looked at that crowd that was condemning him to death, to be slaughtered like a criminal, and his heart overflowed with compassion as he was on that cross, and he asked his father to forgive the people that were murdering him, and his heart overflowed with compassion as he gave his dying breath and did the one thing that could only restore a relationship with the father. And then he rose from the grave three days later, and he showed his power. His power over everything that tries to oppress us, even death itself. Jesus is in control.
Jesus wins. And with his compassion and power, Jesus has satisfied every single deep craving of your heart. A relationship built on love with your heavenly Father that never ends. Unconditional and free forgiveness for every time with you fall in the promise that no matter where you are, no matter how dark that place is, Jesus is with you and he is holding you by the hand. And as if that weren't enough, Jesus takes a step further and says, I'm going to take care of your bodies too. I'm going to take care of you while you're on earth. You're going to know how compassionate and powerful I am even before you see my face. And the same compassion and power that Jesus showed to that crowd of people is the same compassion and power that he shows to us as he gives us our jobs and our food and our houses and our family and our friends, everything that we need and everything that brings joy to our hearts. And if this is true, if the God of the universe has this much compassion on you, and is so powerful that he can take care of everything that you need, do you really need to be in control? Do you really need to worry about every last thing? Do you really need to put yourself above people so that you can look down on them? Jesus' compassion and power free us from self-obsession. Now, when we see people out there who are hungry or homeless or in need of physical things, Jesus' compassion on us compels us to have the same compassion on them to give them what we need. When we see people out there who are marginalized and oppressed, whose voices have been silenced, Jesus' compassion on us compels us to be that voice for them. When we see people out there who need friends, we can be their friend. When we see people out there who need to hear about the good news of Jesus, Jesus' compassion on us compels us to have compassion on them and to give them what they need. So, when you are faced with a crowd, a circumstance that, that you don't know how things are going to turn out, something that, that you don't know you can handle, don't look at the loaves and fish in your hands. Look at the holes in his. Look at that blood-stained cross and see how much compassion Jesus has had on you and what he was willing to do to hold you in his arms. Look at that empty grave and see that he has power over everything, even death itself. And look at his heart as he looked at that crowd of people and wanted nothing more than to help them and know that he has had that same compassion on you. And look at his power that he has over everything and know that he works that power for you and through you as you are a blessing to other people. And look at his hands. And you look at Jesus' hands and you will see that they hold you. You, your bodies, and your souls are his most prized possession. He will take care of them. 
and through you, he will take care of others. You can trust him. Amen.